if you're new to this whole world of baby led weaning and starting solid foods, you might still be on the fence as to whether this approach is going to work for you. And if that's the case, I want to send you my free feeding guide called Will Baby Led Weaning Work for My Baby? This is a guide that contains a decision tree map that you can work your way through to determine if this is the right approach for you guys and then when it's time to start. Grab your copy of Will Baby Led Weaning Work for My Baby on my website at babyledweaning.co slash resources. I was doing my breakfast dishes this morning, turned the garbage disposal on, and then heard that terrible noise when you know something is in the disposal, but like you can totally tell the damage has already been done. Sure enough, it was an easy peasy tiny spoon, totally shredded, which if I've learned anything about these baby lead weaning spoons from Easy Peasy is that the garbage disposal and the dog both love them. And I was bummed because it's one of my favorite colors that they make, the light gray line, which is called pewter. But my garbage disposal disaster, I guess it came at just the right time because Easy Peasy is having their annual Mother's Day sale from this Friday to Sunday, so May 10th to 12th. You can get 20% off all of the Easy Peasy feeding gear with the affiliate discount code BLWMOM on orders of $50 or more. So this is a great time to stock up at 20% off because my regular Easy Peasy code is usually only for 10% off. So this bump up to 20% off is nice, but it's just for three days. So head to easypeasyfun.com to grab tiny spoons, their tiny cups, and the best suction mats and bowls for baby lead weaning. They have a really cool new bundle maker on their website if you want to group or piece a few items together or If you just don't want to think about it, then just grab one of the Easy Peasy First Foods sets. It has everything you need to give your baby a safe start to solid foods with baby led weaning. That code is BLWMOM for 20% off Easy Peasy orders of $50 or more now through Sunday, May 12th at easypeasyfun.com. And happy Mother's Day to you. I always say sun protection is a team sport. So there's shade, there's the protective clothing, trying to avoid the peak sun in the middle of the day when it's the strongest, right? Like Babies take a nap, you know, usually in the middle of the day so they can avoid that while they're napping. Sunscreen used sparingly. You know, I think the alternative of a bad sunburn in a young baby is far worse than the potential harm of using a little bit of sunscreen. Hey there, I'm Katie Ferraro, registered dietitian, college nutrition professor, and mom of seven specializing in baby led weaning. Here on the Baby Led Weaning Made Easy podcast, I help you strip out all of the noise and nonsense about feeding leaving you with the confidence and knowledge you need to give your baby a safe start to solid foods using baby-led weaning. Can babies wear sunscreen? I know you guys know that saying, when in doubt, leave it out. But is sunscreen actually harmful for babies under the age of six months? My guest today is Rebecca Hartman. She's a dermatologist and a mom of two. She's been on the podcast previously where we were talking about the link between severe eczema and food allergy. So she did baby led weaning with her oldest who has severe eczema. He has a cashew allergy. They actually did oral immunotherapy with him starting at 20 months. So she's going to mention and talk a little bit about that in this interview. But Dr. Hartman's also getting ready to start solid foods with her daughter who's going to turn six months soon. But I had her on the podcast today to talk about sunscreen and in particular sunscreen for babies. So she's going to share some information about the difference between chemical sunscreens and mineral sunscreens with her own personal mom insight on why she doesn't use chemical sunscreen for kids. And I do want to mention that Dr. Hartman does have a conflict of interest to disclose. She is a mom in medicine with the brand Ever Eden. She is a scientific advisor for the company and receives consulting fees from them. So her views on this podcast are her personal views and do not represent those of the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. And 
Dr. Hartman's role with Ever Eden, she also helps select the ingredients for their Ever Eden product lines, including their mineral sunscreen. So I am an affiliate for Ever Eden as well. I do use their non-toxic skincare products for myself and my kids. And I was so excited when they came out with their line of mineral sunscreens for kids. So I wanted to have Dr. Hartman on to talk about like, okay, kids are fine, six months and up, we know, but what about babies prior to six months of age? Can they wear sunscreen? So if you do want to check out Ever Eden's mineral sunscreens or any of their non-toxic skincare products, my affiliate code is Katie15, and that works for 15% off. And I'll link to all of my favorites for babies in the description where you're listening. So with no further ado, here is Dr. Rebecca Hartman talking about whether or not babies can wear sunscreen. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Very excited to be back. Last time you were here, we were talking about eczema and the link between severe eczema and peanut allergy risk. And you shared that your own son, he at that time, he was just going through doing baby led weaning. He'd had severe eczema. You found out he had, I know, a cashew allergy. I know it was so encouraging for parents to hear this from you and know like, gosh, these things also happen to a dermatologist. So just checking in, how is your son doing with his food allergy situation now? Oh, well, thanks for checking in and remembering about him. Um, So he's great. He's almost three, which is crazy. Time flies. And he's actually doing amazing from a food allergy standpoint. We found an amazing allergist and started um, oral immunotherapy for him uh, right around 20 months. And he's done great with it. He's actually had no reactions at all during updosing. And he now just takes a teaspoon of cashew a day. We're still keeping it out of his diet. And one thing that we're really proactive about is keeping other potentially allergenic foods that he's not yet allergic to in his diet. So we actually do this thing every night called nut bar. Our son probably thinks it's normal, but I'm sure other people don't do it where we give him a teaspoon of a different, like a teaspoon of a different nut butter every night, just to maintain his other allergens. Cause I actually have two friends with kids that um, are now like around four and they both separately got different nut allergies, like later in life, one to four, obviously not really late in life, but from a, a young child standpoint, to walnut and to uh, hazelnut because those are just like kind of unusual nuts that might not be in your diet every day. So I think, you know, people think we don't have a total answer of how long you should do this, but I'm going to keep doing it until he's five. <laughs> okay. And that's the hard thing about food allergies, right? There's so much gray area where it's like, okay, well, the research doesn't say exactly how many grams we need to be doing, but that's the protocol that you guys have been following. And that's just wonderful to hear that he's able to, to do the teaspoon of nut. And is it, he only has a cashew allergy or does he have other known food allergies as well? At one point, we thought he had many food allergies because he got contact hives to a bunch of different foods we introduced, but we have found amazing allergists who helped us sort it out. Um, and it's really just cashew and then pistachio cross-reacts with cashew. He's actually never had pistachio. So to us, it's cashew pistachio. So pistachio is not in the nut bar. It, no, pistachio is not in the nut bar. So we avoid those. Well, except we give him a teaspoon of cashew a day. Um, I mean, we're very lucky. Those allergens aren't that commonly encountered like inadvertently. I have a friend with um, sesame allergy and that's like in everything, you know, it's really hard. It's just really hard. So much sesame allergy drama right now with all the food manufacturers saying it's in there, but it's not because they don't want to cook on different equipment. I'm like families with food allergies deal with so much, but I love that you guys are pushing through. We're going to do some content on OIT because of this new data that's showing that, you know, earlier use of the oral immunotherapy, like in your situation, you started 20 months, but you were telling me before you would have started even earlier. So since the last time we met, you have another baby. Your daughter is five months of age. Have you guys done any food allergy stuff with her yet? Or are you waiting till six months? What are your thoughts? So um, as you may remember from last time, we're big fans of baby led weaning. Actually, today's a really uh, monumental day because our our nanny um, gave her for the first time actual food because she's showing interest in grabbing things and she grabbed some watermelon and she really enjoyed it. So that was really cool. 
But for because she has the big brother with the allergies, we've been super aggressive. And even around like three months, we started to just give her little amounts of nut butter thinned with breast milk, like on a fingertip just for her to suck on because we really liked baby led weaning for our son. Our son, besides the allergies, is an amazing eater. He will eat anything. He likes olives. He likes all sorts of foods. And I think it's because we did the baby led weaning. He's not picky at all. It's fantastic. I mean, of course he likes the kid foods that all kids like French fries, chicken nuggets, but he has a great uh, palate. Our daughter, we started with the allergens right away just because of the big brother. We were we wanted to be really aggressive about it. And she's done great so far, knock on wood, no issues. Did you do cashew butter with her? We did, yeah. We bought a cashew butter that we keep like high up in the drawer in a, just like a little packet because we're like, well, how else will we, you know, we're not going to put this in anything else. But I, did, I was nervous. For that one, I was a little nervous. I, I was ready to like, you know, jet to the hospital if we needed to, but she did fine. I hate to switch gears, but we're here to talk about sunscreen. Baby led weaning mom, you guys, her older son, she's sharing a situation with eczema. She said her current baby does not have eczema. So like in the past, we've been exploring the eczema and food allergy risk. But today we're talking about sunscreen. And as a dermatologist, I'm like, I've been dying to get in touch with you because at the time of this recording, we're heading into the summer season and parents ask, you know, the question all the time, is it okay for babies to wear sunscreen as a mom who is, has small kids and is a dermatologist? What are your thoughts on sunscreen for babies? I think I would uh, be banned for the dermatology community if I didn't tell you about the benefits of sunscreen. Um, So dermatology, we, we of course love sunscreen because we Um, see the downstream effects of the sun causing cancer and causing severe problems for people um, that can be life-threatening. And we we know that um, young children and babies, their skin is more sensitive to the sun. So they're at much higher risk for sunburn. Their skin actually has different structure than adult skin. And they're really high risk to get a sunburn. And the problem when a baby gets a sunburn, a young baby, is that they can't regulate their temperature as well. They can't regulate their uh, water intake as well, so they can get dehydrated. So the consequences of a bad sunburn in a young baby are much worse than you know, I, I don't like a bad sunburn. I haven't gotten one, not good one in years, but much worse for a young baby. That said, there are some thoughts about sunscreen in young kids. So in general, we try to avoid putting sunscreen on this uh, skin in babies younger than six months. And this is because their skin is just so sensitive and also it just absorbs things put on it, you know, to a different degree than older, older children or adult skin. So the general recommendations younger than six months are to keep babies out of the sun using shade and protective clothing. You may use sunscreen sparingly to limited areas that you can't protect, but I generally try to avoid sunscreen on babies younger than six months. After six months, um, the recommendation is to use sunscreen and use it, you know, liberally when you need it, because we want to avoid a sunburn in young children, both because of the potential consequences of dehydration and their ability to regulate their temperature and also to prevent long-term effects of photoaging and skin cancer. So there's a mom who's in one of our programs. She's doing 100 First Foods with her baby, Skylar, and they live on a boat. So we were working with them and showing them how to you know, make all the different 100 foods in the program in a really small space. But like in real life, they are exposed to sun a lot more than your typical baby. And so she's like, I, she was always asking me, like, I don't know, I'm not a dermatologist. As a mom, you hear no sunscreen on babies less than six months. But like, is it harmful or is it just that like when in doubt, leave it out because we don't really know if it's okay for this population? Because of course it's not ethical to maybe design a study where you get one baby sunburn and one baby you put sunscreen on and see which one is worse. Like, is it going to hurt? Exactly. Good good luck designing that study and getting, getting moms to put their babies in that study. Yeah. So I would go more in the latter. Like we just don't really know. I think it's out of an abundance of caution in this younger age group where we know their skin is more absorptive. But what I would say for this person living on a boat, which by the way, sounds like a fabulous life. So if they, if they want until that baby starts walking and then I'm like, Oh my gosh, you guys are going to die. Well, yeah, right. Then um, a baby overboard is not a good, but um, you know, there's other things you can do. I always say sun protection is a team sport. So there's shade, there's the protective clothing, 
um, trying to avoid the peak sun in the middle of the day when it's the strongest, right? Like babies take a nap, you know, usually in the middle of the day so they can avoid that while they're napping. But um, sunscreen use sparingly, you know, I think the alternative of a bad sunburn in a young baby is far worse than the potential harm of using a little bit of sunscreen. Hey, we're going to take a quick break, but I'll be right back. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So let's say we're... We're coming up on the six-month mark. You're considering a sun protection product for your baby. What are the ingredients that you want to avoid or make sure are included in the product? Like I always, you know, you hear about zinc, but I think like picking a product can be really confusing for parents, especially when they're reading labels of products like that. So teach us a little bit about ingredients we want in sunscreen or don't want in sunscreen for our babies. Um, great question. I, I totally agree. I get overwhelmed when I look at all the products at the store. So the main things with sunscreen, you want broad spectrum, meaning it blocks both UVA and UVB, which are two different wavelengths of ultraviolet radiation that can cause sun damage and sunburn. And then at least, I usually say at least SPF 30. The SPF, sun protection factor, um, is derived by how much of the uh, UVB rays are blocked. And there's actually diminishing returns. So an SPF 30 blocks 97% of the UVB rays. You never can quite get to 100. So as you're getting a higher SPF, you're getting diminishing returns on that. So I usually tell people no need to spend, you know, below the bank account getting a really, really high SPF sunscreen. And then so trying to, and then of course, water resistance is always a plus because oftentimes we're, you know, doing near water, doing water sports when wearing sunscreen. But in terms of ingredients, it's that broad spectrum UVA, UVB, where the zinc really comes in. Zinc is an excellent ingredient that's broad spectrum UVA, UVB. When you think about sunscreen, the way they work, they're physical blockers and chemical blockers. So physical blockers work by particles that reflect the light. Think of like the old school white or blue nose on the lifeguard. And then they can make these particles smaller or more sheer so that they're not as visible and more cosmetically appealing. They can even make them really small nano size. And there are some in vitro studies that suggest no harms of nanoparticles, but in general, there are some concerns about nanoparticles potentially being involved, um, absorbed. So for kids, a lot of sunscreens are often non-nano zinc. So it's a little bit of a bigger particle size, but it still is small enough that it doesn't look white. Um, and they can even make that sheer to make it more cosmetically appealing. And then there are chemical sunscreens that work by changing shape when the ultraviolet light hits them, and that absorbs the energy of the light. The problem with the chemical sunscreens is that we just really don't know. So the FDA did a couple recent studies that were really big in the derm literature. They were published in big derm journals, looking at absorption of these chemical sunscreens. And what they found was that if you put an insane amount of them, they put like the whole body on several times a day for seven days, that they weren't, the chemicals were then found in the blood. So they didn't actually find out that these chemicals were harmful yet. They just found out that they were actually absorbed. So that's probably enough to scare most people with a baby to say, no, thank you. And we know that kids' skin is more absorptive than adult skin. But basically the fallout from that study was that the FDA concluded we need, the sunscreen companies need to actually look and see if these chemicals are safe or not. But because for, before they were just assuming they weren't absorbed, which was kind of a silly assumption, but now that we know they're absorbed, we have to decide if they're safe or not. So all, all these other chemicals in general, I don't recommend for kids, just out, again, out of an abundance of caution, 
Why put something in that you know is going to go into their bloodstream that you're not sure is safe or not? And one in particular, um, there's some concern about from the American Academy of Pediatrics, one ingredient, that's oxybenzone, because there's some data to suggest that it may be an endocrine disruptor. And we know kids are going through huge changes. I remember our first nanny who was really amazing. We we ended up moving, so we, we found a different nanny. But that that nanny at the time told us she used to read a lot of books about kids. And she said that like young kids, their brain is going through the hormones of like a teenager. So maybe that explains why my three-year-old is having so many tantrums, but they're having a lot of important hormonal changes and you really don't want to interfere with that. And another downside, oxybenzone has been shown to um, cause harm to coral reefs. So I think Hawaii specifically um, has banned it uh, because of that. Um, So in general, I like a mineral-based sunscreen for kids, but and zinc is broad spectrum. The chemicals can help you get that UVA broad spectrum, but we just don't know the long-term effects because we now know that they are absorbed. What about the spray versus the lotion? Like, I think the spray is super convenient. Well, first of all, I can't believe that in this day and age, we can like all of the advances in technology that like someone has not developed a faster, more efficient way to get sunscreen on a child. Like I love summer, but like I have seven kids and doing sunscreen all day, every day. It's literally the worst. It's the worst. And like, I like the spray, but like, it's just, to be honest, it's too expensive to do that volume. So I end up like doing the lotion. I'm always like, well, I wonder, I also don't know. I'm like, the spray was a newer thing. You know, I didn't grow up with it. So I'm like, does that really even work? Like What's the deal with spray versus lotions? Any thoughts there regarding, I mean, safety first, obviously. I know from a cost standpoint, it's definitely more cost-effective to do the lotions than the spray. What are your thoughts on sprays versus lotions? Well, first, I'm really curious if you could just stopwatch uh, how long it takes you to put sunscreen on seven kids. I'd love oh, to dude, I do time-lapse videos on it for Instagram time. all the time. And people are like, yeah, that looks terrible. I was like, yeah, try it. And I got to do it again in like two or three hours, right? Exactly. Yeah. So I'll talk about that if you want to know more about the reapplying, because that's one of my things. I don't think we reapply enough. So the sprays, I always say whatever you're going to use is the best sunscreen. So if the spray it gets you over that barrier to use it, certainly better than a sunburn. If the cost is prohibitive, then whatever's cheap, you know, it gets you t- that you have large quantities of. But a couple just thoughts about the spray. So one concern is inhaling. We don't want to inhale the spray. Um, so it's really important that you spray it in a way the wind's not blowing, that it's going to come back and you or your kids inhale it. It may be hard to tell a young kid to hold their breath and not inhale it. The other thing about the sprays, they often are chemical sunscreens as opposed to mineral sunscreens. So again, there's no data to suggest the chemical sunscreens are harmful. There just is now some data to suggest if applied in very, very large quantities for a week, the chemical sunscreens are absorbed in the blood. But that's what you're doing in the summer. Like you're on vacation, very, very large quantities over a week. week. You are applying large quantities. So for me personally, I always use a mineral-based sunscreen on my kids because the potential downside to mineral-based is maybe that um, it doesn't blend in as well. But again, some companies use a more sheer product. Um, And so for my kids, fashion standpoint versus chemicals in the blood, you know, I'd rather lower on the fashion standpoint. Maybe they, you know, it doesn't blend in quite as well, but I know that it's not being absorbed in their blood. But see, I feel like you're just average run-of-the-mill non-dermatologist has no idea that there's a difference between chemical and mineral sunscreen. I mean, I know you guys are doing a lot of education about that, but I feel the same way. Like I used to not put like zinc as a base because I'm like, well, then I'm putting makeup over it and I look like, I already look like a ghost and now I look more like a ghost. But I started using that, the Ever Eden, the sheer botanical facial sunscreen. So the founder of your, Ever Eden sent me some. She's like, you have to try this out. And like, this is like amazing adult face lotion that also happens to be full-blown SPF 30. I didn't even realize it was because it was a mineral sunscreen. You're it's using the smaller minerals because it, it rubs in all the way, but it has zinc. I was like, I've never had a product like this that like, you don't feel like a ghost. It actually just feels like lotion. Some companies like Ever Eden are making um, sunscreens that are mineral based, uh, zinc based for the broad spectrum activity, UV blocking activity, but they're more sheer. So just the way the particles are constructed, they won't be as 
visible aesthetically. And I think that's really a win-win because then you get the cosmetic benefit and you have the safety benefit. That said, I, w- I want to be perfectly clear. I mean, the a- the dermatologist position is not, you know, don't use chemical sunscreens because there's no data that it's harmful, but there is this knowledge that it's absorbed in the blood. So I think especially the with kids, stuff that's not. probably enough to start to think twice. And again, the American Academy of Pediatrics specifically says to avoid oxybenzone, which is one of the chemical sunscreens. But for the, like, you know, when you're talking about those derm publications and then, okay, it does look like this stuff shows up in the blood. Do the mineral sunscreens, have they been shown to not show up in the blood? So the exact same study, to my knowledge, has not been replicated in the mineral sunscreens, but there are studies like using animal models with the mineral sunscreens that show it's not, it is not absorbed. And by the same token, these minerals like titanium dioxide actually can be found as a food additive. So you're actually already eating it. So if it, if it is harmful, we're all getting some of it. Well, as you always say, what you put on your baby's body is just as important as what you put in your baby's body. So it, it's, it's funny. It's in like, general, they're thought to be very safe. I mean, even if it was to go into your body, it's not felt to cause any harm because they break down just into, you know, mineral naturally in the environment. Okay. I know you want to talk about reapplying. So teach us how often we should be reapplying. Okay. This is my sunscreen pet peeve because you, like I said, you want something water resistant, but if you look closely and read more about water resistance, it means that it's resistant to the water, but it's not resistant to the toweling. So if you aggressively towel and rub it all off, then the sunscreen is gone. And most of us, after we get wet, want to towel off. So reapplying is the number one thing that people mess up. They, they put the sunscreen on, they go to the beach, they have it on, then they're having fun, they're eating lunch, they're playing, and they just, it, you know, it's messy to reapply or they towel off and they forget to reapply. So in general, reapply every two to three hours, but also after toweling off. Hey, we're going to take a quick break, but I'll be right back. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Or just take the towels away from the kids, less laundry, less sunscreen reapplication is the approach that I'm going to be using this summer. Awesome. Okay. I want to switch gears, talk about vitamin D because our audience is super familiar with vitamin D and our exclusively breastfeeding moms usually giving their babies vitamin D drops. We actually just did a whole episode on like, when do you stop the vitamin D drops if you're starting solid foods? Is it ever safe for a baby to be exposed to direct sunlight without sun protection in the pursuit of vitamin D from the sunshine? Knowing how much sunlight to get the amount of vitamin D can be very tricky. So so these studies haven't been done on, on babies, right? Who again, have much more sensitive skin, as I just mentioned. So, f- you know, for an adult, they've said, you know, a fair skin individual in the Miami summer sun, three minutes on like the arms, legs, and face. But where I live in Boston in the winter, it would be like two hours. And then if you don't have fair skin, it also could be much longer. So I think it's like a game that you don't really want to play because the baby could get sunburned. And you also don't even know if you're getting the right amount of vitamin D by doing it. In general, you know, in the summer, they say like eight to 15 minutes, you know, of the arms and like, like if you're in a t-shirt and shorts and your face is enough to get the vitamin D you need for a day. Most of us, if we're at the beach, are going to spend a lot more than eight to 15 minutes or, oh my goodness, I can't believe we drove so far and unloaded all that stuff out of our car to just spend 15 minutes at the beach, right? You're going to go for the whole day. If you've gone to the beach with seven kids, I'm sure you can relate to that. That's with us going with uh, one kid and soon to be two. Um, My husband's always like, this is worse than skiing, which I kind of find hard to believe. But 
Um, you're going to go all day. So you're, you're really, it, it's not really a game you want to play. If you want to give them a few minutes, I think of sun before putting on the sunscreen, that's fine. But they really need the vitamin D drops to know that you're getting enough if they're breastfed, exclusively breastfed, to know that they're getting the right amount of vitamin D. And in the winter, you certainly aren't going to get there. Okay, so your baby is five months old. We're going into summer. Let's say like five and a half months old, you're going to the beach. What are you doing, Dr. Hartman? Like, are you putting sunscreen on your baby or not? And then if not, can you just remind us of the things to do until you feel safe doing sunscreen? So I always say to my patients that sun protection is a team sport. So you have sunscreen, you have shade, you have protective clothing, and you have sun avoidance. So you really want all of those on board. So for me, if I was going with my, for, I don't, I don't know about you, you have seven kids. I've only had one kid that I took to the beach, but he really doesn't like it when it's like extremely hot and sunny. So we in general don't, and most kids don't do well around nap time going somewhere anyway. So we don't usually go. No, to the I beach leave the beach by the time day. most people are getting there. Like I want the parking spot and I want to be out by lunchtime when everyone else gets there. So everyone yeah, can go, home, go and home and take a nap. That's <laughs> perfect. I, that's how we do it too. So I think, you know, first of all, I'm timing my arrival to the beach to be when the sun's not quite as strong. I'm making sure that we have good protective clothing. So a hat, you know, a rash guard if we're in the water. I, I bring like layers, right? Because sometimes it's too hot, but you're ready with clothes if you need it. I always bring an umbrella because shade is your friend. And you're still actually getting a good amount of sun just under. There was one study actually in adults that showed that they got sunburned basically if they just sat in the shade at the beach but didn't have sunscreen on. So really the shade alone is not enough. And that's because the reflection, you have all the sand, which is white, kind of like when you're skiing in the snow, it's reflecting the sun and the water is reflecting the sun. So, and then when there are, if the baby's in the sun, for some reason, let's say the umbrella doesn't work, it's very windy. That happens to us at the Cape Cod beaches all too much. Then, you know, I'll bring some sunscreen, a mineral-based, um, at least SPF 30 with zinc in it. And I'll put a little bit on, on any exposed areas. Um, I also like to wear the baby and then I'll put like a light blanket over her. Obviously it's balancing. You don't want them to overheat, right? Because babies can't regulate their temperature very well. So I, I'm I'm team sport. I'm juggling all my modalities to try and keep the baby safe and happy. I like the team sport analogy. I'm going to delegate the sunscreen reapplication to my husband and remind him that this is a team sport. But, you know, dad gets the sunscreen and the kids eye like one time and the kid like never let him put sunscreen again. I was like, I feel like you did that on purpose so you don't have to put sunscreen on all summer. But anyway. OK, so where can our audience go if they have more questions about sun protection and learning more about the work that you do if they want to educate themselves to, you know, not have any sort of sun-related injury with their babies in this time before they're putting sunscreen on? So, yeah, that's a great question. So I'm a dermatologist at uh, Dana-Farber Cancer Institute specializing in melanoma. So they're welcome to um, read about my research in melanoma there. Um, the American Academy of Dermatology has a page about sunscreen, um, as does the American Academy of Pediatrics. And then there are lots of great brands like Ever Eden that are offering um, mineral-based sunscreens that um, are safe for your kids and will help protect them for the summer. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to answer these questions. I'm so excited to hear more about your daughter starting Solid Foods. And thank you for answering the questions about sunscreen. But we got to have you come back on and talk more about especially oral immunotherapy and your experience, because I think it's really valuable. And you're so up on the research. It's like so awesome to hear your real life experience, but also that as a physician. Well, it's great to see you. Thanks so much for having me on. Happy to come back anytime. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Dr. Hartman. I always love getting to chat with her. I think she has so much energy. Like she worked a whole long day at her clinic. She asked her babysitter to stay a little bit extra so she could do this interview, which I really greatly appreciate. And I learned a lot about the difference between mineral and chemical sunscreens and what we don't want and do want. And I do have to say that the company that she works with, Ever Eden, they do make amazing non-toxic skincare. And I'm so happy that they also have kids at sunscreen. So again, my affiliate code forever, Eden, if you want to check them out is Katie 15. I'll put a link that goes to the page that has all of my favorite skincare products for babies. 
where you're listening to this episode and also link to that on the show notes page for this episode, which you can find at blwpodcast.com forward slash 354. And I want to say a special thanks to our partners at Airwave Media. If you guys like podcasts that feature food and science and using your brain, check out some of the podcasts from Airwave. We're online at blwpodcast.com. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you next time. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Calm Cove podcast can help you sleep deeply all night long. Calm Cove has deeply relaxing meditation music and ambient sounds like ocean waves and crackling fires. All of our episodes are designed to help you relax and to fall asleep fast. Calm Cove is brought to you by the team behind Sleep Cove, the sleep podcast that consists of spoken word hypnosis, meditation and stories. So if you want to listen to a beautiful soundscape tonight, search for Calm Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see how we're helping millions of people relax and go to sleep every night.